Welcome to the Reset Podcast. I'm Liz Tran, an executive coach to founders and CEOs of fast-growing tech companies. And I attribute my success to my spiritual practices, which are rooted in mindfulness and Zen Buddhism. In this podcast, I combine business advice with spiritual lessons to help you lead a courageous, authentic, and fulfilled life. Hi everyone, what a wild, wild week it has been from the uncertainty of the election from Tuesday to Saturday and then finally the amazing announcement that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will be entering the White House. It was just so emotional for me on Saturday, partly because I just am so in love with Kamala Harris and everything she represents and who she is and Joe Biden as well. It was also really sweet because I have been canvassing in Pennsylvania with a group of friends for Pennsylvania to be the state that tipped it over the edge was just really beautiful because we have been knocking on doors. Two of my friends actually relocated from New York to Pennsylvania for a month and they were living in a hotel there and going and canvassing every single day, trying to hit up as many doors as possible. I just thought it was so inspiring because they both have jobs. And one of them, she actually is in school full-time. She's getting her master's. She has a job and she's in a new relationship. And all those things became second priority to doing a really amazing job trying to get people to vote. So my husband and I, we went out there a couple weekends in a row. We stayed in the same hotel. We were essentially knocking on their doors and saying, have you voted yet? Do you have a voting plan? Can I help you put together a voting plan? Do you know where your early voting location is? Do you know where your day of voting location is? Are you registered? Did you mail your ballot in? Have you checked to see if it's been received? Most of the time, people did not want to talk for very long, but it felt like once in every maybe 20 people You got someone who you actually were able to help. And that was just the most beautiful, beautiful thing. It got me thinking about how, no matter how small our actions seem, they really matter. The smallest, most inconsequential things that we do can actually have an extremely resonant impact. An example of this is not actually me, but one of my friends who was canvassing. It was the last day. Um, it was Tuesday, so the last day people could vote, and he went and did one final list. And at one of those homes, he spoke to a mother, and she said she had voted. He asked about her son, who was also a registered Democrat, and she said that he actually couldn't vote because he was missing the proper identification. So my friend called the voter hotline to make sure that there wasn't anything else that he could do. They waited on the phone. And he found out that the son actually didn't need that identification. So the mom called him and she said, let's go. We're going to go vote, get in the car. And then a couple hours later, as my friend was buying snacks at a store, so he was buying some snacks to give out to voters who were waiting in line, then he saw the mom and the son. And she said, hey, Owen, guess what? We just voted. And it really mattered. It was the day of the election. And if Owen hadn't knocked on that door, then the son wouldn't have known that he actually was able to vote. And given how 
narrow the win was in so many different states. It's so clear how much it mattered that people were knocking on doors, how much it mattered that people like that mom and her son were willing to change their plans for the day, to go vote, to not give up. People were waiting in lines for a long time. It was just so extraordinary. And I was reflecting on it with the team of friends who um, were brought together to canvas, calculating everyone's activities over the course of the month. We collectively knocked on 8,500 doors. Today's episode is about how what you do really matters. This episode serves as an encouragement for you to go for that thing that you want, whatever it is. So take a second here and think about what that thing is that you really want. And it doesn't mean that you need to rush out and have it done tomorrow, but it just means that it's so important to remember that even the smallest actions can make a huge change in your life. So even if you feel like you're just taking tiny little miniature baby steps towards that thing that you want, those little miniature baby steps really matter. Those are what get you to the outcome every day. It's really just about closing the gap between where you are today and what you want even if you're just closing it by a centimeter, it still counts and it still matters. That's really how I felt. I may have just only been knocking on 80 doors every day when I went out, but those 80 doors add up. Those 80 doors become 8,500 doors with all of my friends knocking on doors together. That 8,500 doors becomes somehow and probably 30,000 votes that won Pennsylvania, which is so remarkable. Every little thing matters. When I was walking through those neighborhoods, I was so acutely aware of how important it was just to be kind. A lot of the neighborhoods we went to were very mixed. Lots of Trump supporters, Trump flags, (laughs) people who were like, get the hell out of here. Keep in mind, we had lists of names and addresses of Democrats. So we were really only meant to be knocking on doors of registered Democrats, but sometimes You know, you get someone who's moved and their address hasn't been updated in the registration since they moved, or you run into a neighbor who's outside and knows that you're with the Biden-Harris campaign and gives you some shit because of it. I just kept saying to myself over and over again, be kind, be kind, be kind. I bought an Eagles hat so I could fit in, have something to talk to people about, Go Eagles, even though I don't really watch sports at all. But I was like, you know, I'm in their city. (laughs) I should at least show respect for that and show interest in them and who they are. You know, I really just tried to make conversation, even if it was with people who were clearly Trump supporters and very hostile and antagonistic about us being in their neighborhood canvassing. So I was just, you know, hi, how are you to everyone? Complimenting the local deli, making sure to eat there, petting people's dogs. And what I kept saying to myself over and over again was that the tiniest, smallest acts of kindness just matter so much. Being kind and listening to someone who may be a Trump supporter, maybe that changes the way they think about Democrats. Just seeing you there, being joyful, being kind, being open-minded, probably won't do anything, honestly, but you never know. You never know how those little actions add up and add up and add up. Anyway, it truly feels like this dark cloud that has been buried inside of me has really lifted. It just feels so remarkable. It really just feels like 
the sun is breaking free after four years of being behind clouds. The weather here on the East Coast has completely matched the feeling. It's been unseasonably warm and sunny. It's been beautiful outside, making it super easy for everyone to celebrate in a socially distanced fashion. It's just cool. I feel great. I feel like I can do so much. It feels like anything is possible. That is what I'm here to encourage you to do on this podcast today, to look at this as a new beginning, a blank slate, a moment when the negativity and issues and challenges that we are dealing with with the Trump administration are going away soon and taking this time to remember that now you can go and make a difference in your own life. This morning, I was thinking back to my decision to start Reset, and a big part of that was that my friend, my really, really good friend, was having a really challenging time because she was diagnosed with cancer, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. It was a really tough battle for her. She went through a really intense round of chemotherapy and radiation, and then it turned out that the cancer came back. So then she had to do another year of the toughest, most painful, the strongest chemo that you can get. And it was so strong that she had to have a stem cell transplant because the chemo and the radiation completely wiped out her immune system. And she had to live in a completely sterile room in the hospital for a month. And then even after that, because she had the immune system of a newborn baby, she couldn't go anywhere. So really, this whole part of her life, this cancer treatment, it took up over two years. By the end of it, she decided to leave her career to start a company in the cancer space, which is amazing. And she's doing super well. And she's raised money from all these amazing people, including Chelsea Clinton. And she's just such an amazing, amazing inspiration. And it was seeing her go through this journey, even before she decided to start her company, but just seeing her go through the journey of fighting for her life, literally fighting for her life every single day, that acupuncture treatment, that chemotherapy session, what she ate, all those things mattered so much. At the end of the day, she may not live past 31 was such a true possibility. And seeing her go through this, I thought, I don't have any time to waste. I can't stay here in this job that I don't believe in, that isn't me that isn't to my highest potential just because it's easy. I can't stay here. What if I get hit by a bus tomorrow? What if I found out that I only had a year to live? There's no way I would stay at this job. So seeing Leah go through this just fired me up and it made me so sure that I needed to leave my job. And honestly, if Leah hadn't been in my life, I don't know when I would have quit my job. It's a really cushy situation and I was frankly scared to start my own company. It was scary. I probably would have dragged my feet and stayed there for another two, three, four years. Who knows? And then I would have stayed doing something that wasn't me, where I felt so stifled, where I felt like I was literally dying every day. I felt like my soul was dying. I wanted to read a passage from a very short but beautiful book that I picked up when I was in Beacon, New York this week. The stress of everything in the election was just way too much for me. So on Wednesday, after the election, I packed my bags and I went upstate. Beacon is just 90 minutes from New York City, so it was really easy. I found an Airbnb. I immediately felt better, and I was browsing through a used bookstore, and I found this beautiful little book called A Short Guide to a Happy Life by Anna Quinlan. 
And I'll read a little passage from it now because it speaks to what I'm talking about with my friend who had cancer. Live by the words of this poem by Gwendolyn Brooks. Exhaust the little moment, soon it dies, and be it gash or gold, it will not come again in this identical disguise. Life is short, remember that. I've always known this, or almost always. I've been living with mortality for decades since my mother died of ovarian cancer when she was 40 and I was 19. And this is what I learned from that experience. The knowledge of our own mortality is the greatest gift God ever gives us. It is so easy to waste our lives, our days, our hours, our minutes. It is so easy to take for granted the pale new growth on an evergreen, the sheen of the limestone on Fifth Avenue, the color of our kids' eyes, the way the melody in a symphony rises and falls and disappears and rises again. It is so easy to exist instead of live unless you know there is a clock ticking. It's beautiful. It's so true. And, you know, I think it's hard when one is young to really palpably feel that a clock is ticking because it really does feel like you have so much time in front of you. To be 25, I remember when I was 25, which was just 10 years ago, I felt invincible in so many ways. It felt like I had so much time and that even 35 seemed a lifetime away, which is where I am today. That experience with Leah that I had completely changed the way I thought about how much time I had. It went from me feeling like, oh, I have all the time in the world. Maybe I'll leave my job in two, three years. No big deal. I'll still be able to start my own company. I'll still be able to start a family and get all the things I want. Like that, it switched to this feeling of, wow, I need to do this now. And that's what I want to impart to you guys, how important it is to get started on the things that you want. And I'm not saying that, you know, you needed to be there yesterday. It's more just an encouragement that whatever it is that you have been dreaming of, whatever vision you have in mind for your life, you're picturing it because it's meant to happen, because it's supposed to happen. And now all you have to do is just put the wheels in motion and it will come toward you. I've heard from a lot of amazing listeners who have asked me a question of, how do I go about my dreams? How do I go about doing what it is that I love when I don't have a job, where I don't have a job that allows me to do what I love? And that's such a real question because honestly, in the beginning or even the middle and oftentimes even the latter part of one's career, not everyone is fortunate enough to do work that feels really mission-oriented and purposeful for them. To be honest, I don't think it was until I started my own company that I ever had a job that felt truly aligned to who I was and what I wanted to do in the world, but it was a necessity that I have a job. I've had jobs since I was 15 years old, and it definitely didn't feel like my purpose to be hostessing at TGI Fridays or folding t-shirts at American Eagle or working at a bar in my college town. The fact of the matter is a lot of us have to do jobs. Most of us have jobs that do not feel like we are living in our life's purpose. And even now that I run my own company that's very much related to what I want to do and what I love, there's still stuff I don't like to do like 
doing the accounting or doing the business development of it. So I wanted to speak to that here because this episode is about going after what you love and living life and saying yes to life and not waiting for life to begin. And I also recognize that it's a privilege to be able to feel that way. And most of us are very just concerned with paying our bills and where our next paycheck is coming from. So if you're in that case where you don't feel like you have the freedom and flexibility to pursue what it is you love, I get that. I get that. And I get that that's a reality. And it was a reality for me for a very, very long time. So what I have to offer here, if that is the case for you, is to remember that it's not the job that you do, but rather it's how you do it. Any job can be one where you show up as the highest and best version of yourself every day and you live to your values and your morals. You stick to your guns and you are unafraid to be who your soul wants to be, even if that job isn't exactly perfect for you. To give an example of this, there are so many spiritual leaders out there whose jobs are inherently mission-oriented, right? They're meant to be in a position of power where they can help others, where they can be altruistic, where they can spread spirituality for people who need it. And there are people who really abuse that power. There are bad people who do that job. Even in the news this past week, I don't know how many of you guys have heard about it. There's that pastor from that really popular megachurch Hillsong, Justin Bieber and Haley Bieber and a bunch of other celebrities have gone to or still go to. I've been to a couple of services there because it's a pretty big, pretty popular church here in New York. And even though I'm not Christian, I like to go to church sometimes just because it reminds you of God and just about how to live. But anyway, there's this pastor who has been there forever, who's immensely popular. And it was just revealed that he had been cheating on his wife and not even once, but on an ongoing basis for many, many years. And ultimately the church just couldn't hide it anymore. And we've seen that with lots of people like Bikram, who started the Bikram yoga movement, John Friend from Anusara Yoga, the list goes on and on and on, different priests who have molested kids, etc. And I share this because I want to remind you that it's not your job that defines whether or not you're living in your purpose every day. It's how you do your job that defines how you're living in your purpose Another example of a person who I think really speaks to this is Audrey Gelman from The Wing. The Wing, for those of you guys who are not familiar, is a women's co-working space and uh, club. So you have to be a Wing member. They have these beautiful spaces all around the country and they raised a boatload of money from a bunch of different companies and they raised a ton, a ton of money. Audrey Gelman became very well-known. She was on the cover of all sorts of magazines as this incredible female entrepreneur. And her party line was that her mission was to elevate the voices of women, to give women a space where they could help each other, lift each other up, fight against sexism and discrimination and the boys club that runs most business settings and to create a community of powerful women who could all help each other and to give those women incredible resources like speakers and networking events that would allow them to further their own careers. And while this is a really beautiful mission, Audrey admittedly did not do that because she treated, well, I don't want to say she directly. There's been a huge uprising of women of color who work at the wing who were treated really poorly because of their skin color. It's a very classist 
very judgmental place where the voices of people who were workers was ignored by HR repeatedly, where oftentimes people of color who worked at the wing were treated like servants, treated like help, not even looked in the eye. And here we have the CEO whose mission is to better the lives of women and just isn't doing that every day, even though she so clearly started this company for this mission. And it's really interesting. She apologized way too late. It was just a really tone deaf apology that came months after this group of former employees demanded change and demanded justice. And it was just way too little, way too late without very much contrition at all. But what she did say that felt really spot on was that she wanted the recognition. She wanted to grow a really fast company and be known as the best CEO out there as a woman on the rise. And she was willing to overlook inconsistencies with the mission in order to do that. She prioritized her own fame and her own fortune and her own recognition over the needs of her employees. Looking at the flip side, you can do the job that you have that may not have a strong connection to what you believe to be your mission, but you can still do it in a way that feels very mission-driven. For instance, my brother actually worked at Target for years in like a sales associate role. So he would help people who came into the store basically, you know, hey, where do I find the basketballs? How do I find a hard drive? Where do I go? And part of the reason why he worked there for so long wasn't because he loved working at Target and loved helping people find stuff, but he grew really close to his coworkers, a lot of whom didn't speak great English, and he was able to help them navigate a lot of the paperwork and translate from Spanish to English different documentation that they needed to do X, Y, and Z in America. This was in Los Angeles where he worked for many years. And he looks back on that experience as not what he wanted to do, obviously. He's a musician and an artist. That's what he loves but he was able to tap into his mission-based desire to help people. I want to encourage every single one of you to see how you can live your life in a way that is as aligned with your values and your mission as possible without needing to change anything that you think is going to be really hard to change right now. The first step to this is really understanding what matters to you. I have a set of values that I live by as a person, and my husband and I have a set of family values that we live by as a couple, and they're different. Obviously, one is for me and my independent life, and then the other is for us and the family that we're building, the relationship that we have, and how we support each other. These values that I have individually really help me when it comes to making decisions for my life and knowing how it is that I want to behave and how I want to act. And it's so important for you to discover what yours are too. So I'll share a few of mine just as a little bit of an inspiration. The key here is that values are always most effective when you're essentially placing one value or behavior over that of another value or behavior. So for instance, my first value in my life is that I place self-love over external validation. So what that means is, let's say I have a very busy week and I've promised myself that I'm going to work on my writing, which doesn't really have like a really clear purpose right now. I haven't sold my book. It's really just for me because I love doing it and I wanna get better at it. Or I can take that time and try to drum up some press for reset. I will use that value of mine. And as much as I love press and as much as I love people writing about reset and writing about me and getting pictures taken of myself, 
I'm working on my inner life right now. My self-love, my care for myself, my internal world always, always, always needs to be more important than external validation. And I made that a value because sometimes it's hard to choose self-love and self-appreciation over trying to find it from someone else. Another value that I have is agency and self-expression over money. I will always prioritize my own personal sense of control over my life and my need to express my ideas, my beliefs, how I feel over money. And what that means is if I have a client where I really can't design content the way I want to and say what I want to say because I'm catering to them, I won't take that client because it's just not worth it for me. I can't water down or hide my beliefs and who I am just because a client might be uncomfortable with that. That really helps me make decisions. It also really helped me to decide that I was going to find any way possible to leave my career and to start my own company. Another value that I have that I've recently created over this past year, it's apropos considering COVID, staying at home, lockdown, and this value is do the right thing slowly over getting the wrong thing right now. This value has really become clear for me as I've been working on my book proposal. I just felt like it it wasn't good enough and I got feedback from a possible agent that it needed more work. Though I had another friend who works in the agency who said, I think it's great. I think you should start sending it out right away. No doubt you'll get an agent. But deep down, I knew that it wasn't the highest quality that it could be. There was more that I could do. I could take more time to do it. As a result, it'll probably take me at least one or two years longer than my initial timeline for selling this book. But I want to do it properly and I want to do it right. I don't want to just rush to check it off my list and get it done. I want to give this book as much of a chance as possible to do really well and to capture what I believe. And the only way to do that is to increase my writing skills. I share these values with you so that you can go and write your own. Find out what matters in your life. Find out what matters to your soul. That's the exploration of life, to know what matters to you and to no one else. And your job here is to figure out what it is that matters to you that's really important to you and your character and to hold on really, really tight to that and never, ever let it go and never compromise. I want to read another passage from that same book that I read from before. When you look at the faces of a class of graduating seniors, you realize that each student has only one thing that no one else has. When you leave college, there are thousands of people out there with the same degree that you have. When you get a job, there will be thousands of people doing what you want to do for a living. But you are the only person alive who has sole custody of your life, your particular life, your entire life. And not just your life at a desk or your life on the bus or in the car or at the computer, not just the life of your mind, but the life of your heart, not just your bank account, but your soul. People don't talk about the soul very much anymore. It's so much easier to write a resume than to craft a spirit, but a resume is cold comfort on a winter night or when you're sad or broke or lonely or when you've gotten back the chest x-ray that doesn't look so good or when the doctor writes prognosis poor. So that's it. What are you going to do with this one wild and precious life? To start, know what matters to you, 
know what your values are, and hold on to them so tightly. Let them govern everything that you do. Let them govern who you are and stand up for them because when you stand up for your values, you're standing up for your soul. And when you let things slide, even though they may not be in alignment with your values, you let someone treat you a certain way, even though you know you shouldn't, or you take a job, even though you know it's not quite right for you, those are all the things that cause you to abandon yourself. And every time you abandon yourself, a little part of you dies. So now that we are moving into this beautiful new era away from Trump with the amazing, amazing, inspiring Kamala Harris as our vice president of the country, now is the time for you to live the life that you've always wanted to live. There's no time to waste. Start today. Know that you can. And always remember to listen to yourself, to love yourself, and to say yes to life so that life can say yes to you. Thank you guys so much for listening. I am so excited about Trump leaving office. Thank you guys for voting. Thank you to everyone who volunteered, phone banked, postal service workers, people who are counting the votes. If you voted, if you told someone to vote, you made a huge difference. And know that even though the election is over, those small things, those little individual actions all really matter and all boil up to huge collective change. Remembering that you are powerful, ask yourself, what are you going to do today? What are you going to do to move your life forward just as you moved the election forward by voting or volunteering? Thank you guys. I really appreciate all of you listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please do rate and review it so other people can discover it. It really matters a lot. I've loved everyone sharing stories on Instagram of the podcast episodes and writing me and telling me that you appreciate them. I'm so happy to hear from all of you guys from all around the world. I never, ever, ever get tired of it. It matters so much to me. Thank you so much. And I will see you guys next week. Bye.